before I believed it was all about money, money, money. It was about, you know what? You graduate from school, go to work in a hedge fund. That's what I believe the way was. And I was wrong. What I realized was that being rich, being wealthy, it's about having time. It's not about having money. It's about having time. You can do things. It's about automation. It's about delegation. Understanding those concepts in my business has allowed me to transcend just being a worker bee and allowed me to be an entrepreneur. We stand today. The Business Method. With a shadow. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that produce over a million dollars and annual revenue and now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results economies and cultures there's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this happen now let's jump in today's show the business method I love it when people hop on the podcast ready to make a great show with a contagiously stoked attitude and a lot to share. They really make an impact and I will literally talk about these episodes with my friends nonstop. Quite often, I have no idea what show is going to have such an impact on me. I've had some guests that I thought the show would be great and they were really difficult. And then I've had other guests that really surprised me how they showed up on the mic. And so what I always ask myself is like, what is the magic touch when it comes to being a good interviewee. I go on a lot of podcasts also, and I always try to bring a lot of energy, a good attitude. But for me, it comes down to uh, personality and connection. If someone is truly interested in connecting, having a good time on the podcast, and being open, those usually make the best episodes. Sometimes, and we all can tell, the person just shows up to promote their own agenda. And I'm not knocking it. I know many people that do this, and it can be a decent marketing strategy. But the best episodes, the interview that leave a mark, the ones that I end up naturally promoting and talking about more are the episodes where the interviewee is stoked, ready to be on the show, having a good time, and sharing some of the juiciest tips they have. And today's guest is one of those episodes that I'll never forget. I've seen this guy pop up on my YouTube channel a few times and he stood out to me. So I reached out to him, but I didn't hear anything back. And about a year later, someone on his team reached out to us to have him on the podcast. So I already knew who he was and instantly I accepted the request. His name is John Crestani. John is the perfect example of a four-hour workweek case study. He is a lifestyle entrepreneur that started out on an island in Thailand trying to figure out what to do with his life to creating massive online success in a short period of time. For the past few years, John is running a fully location-independent business, pulling in one, two, three, four plus million U.S. dollars annually with zero employees. You heard me right, zero employees. And he does it with zest, he does it with zeal, and he's got a really awesome attitude. 
as soon as John hopped on the call, he had a big smile on his face and I knew instantly we were going to get along and have a good podcast. We talk a lot on his show because even though John has no employees, there's still many facets to his business. We start off talking about John when he was on the island in Thailand and what he was going through. Like many of us lifestyle entrepreneurs, he came across the book, The 4-Hour Work Week, and it really had a massive impact on the way that he saw the world. He started out selling on eBay, then trying to go back to university and selling digital products to his fellow students, which turned out to be pretty lucrative, but it also took him a few years to kind of master the online game. But when he did, he started to crush it. We get to delve deep into how he has built this multi-seven-figure business with no employees, how he still designs his work life around hobbies he enjoys, what he would do if he had to start all over again, why he's doubling down on YouTube, and the strategies he is using that is quite different than the other people teaching the same thing as him on YouTube, and why he stands out more than everybody else. And much, 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 much more. You guys, it's a fun episode. John's attitude is contagious. It's a lot of fun talking to him. He gives some really great tips to to pick out and things that you could apply to your business and your lifestyle both. Without further ado, let me welcome John Crestani to the show. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast today. I am really excited to welcome today's guest. It's taken a while to get him on the show, but so happy that we got him finally. Um, so on the show today, you guys, I'm joined by John Crestani. He's a gentleman that got his start on online entrepreneurship back in 2012. After spending a few years in his corporate job, he realized it, it wasn't for him and he began to hunt for ways to make money online and he figured it out. And the fact, uh, in fact, he's actually made seven figures every year since around 2014 with no employees, which is really awesome. The goal he always wanted to create was to have a low stress life, making millions per year and travel the world like a lot of us. And um, his business has consistently earned that. And he's done that without any of the employees. And now he's living in Malibu with his wife and his daughter. And he enjoys flying helicopters, kite surfing, reading science fiction books and talking business. John, welcome to the show. How are you, man? Hey, happy to be here. Doing doing good, doing good. As I told you, had some battles to fight today, but you know what? I'm alive and it's all it's all gravy, baby. Yeah, dude. Uh, immediately when you hopped on the 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 call just a few minutes ago, what I really liked is like you've got a really such a positive energy. Like you're it seems like you're a happy dude, and maybe you just decided to get positive and happy because of the call. But I'm just curious, is this like is this normal for you? Is this a normal mode? Yeah, this is this is actually totally normal uh, mode for me. I, I some somebody actually told me this. This was a couple months ago. Just like I guess I affected their their life in some some major way. I got some really crazy like just personal testimonial type of thing. My house actually burned down last year in the wildfires, and you know this person had been trying to say, John, you know, like oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I said, no, dude, it's all fine. Like I'm fine. My animals are fine. It's all just stuff and you know, insurance is paying for everything, you know, like, and, uh, you know, I said, my, my grandparents, you know, fought in World War II, they had to watch friends die, nobody died. So it's all cool. So I've always been like that. And um, I don't know if I like trick myself into that, because I always, you know, I use that story, like, I'm like, you know, 100 years ago, guys our age used to fight in world wars, like, that's hardcore stuff. 
So, so I, I've always taken the perspective that anything that happens on the internet, you know, it's like I spend like a hundred dollars on AdWords and I don't get a sale. Like, you know, nobody buys my stuff. Like, that's not that bad. Like you're sitting in an air conditioned room on a swivelly chair. You're never going to, you, you're, you're not going to worry about starving, you know, if, if you live in like, you know, place like America or any, really anywhere. So I just think that most problems aren't aren't that big really if you look at put it in perspective is this is this something that just kind of naturally came out because like i just did a a week-long vipassana retreat up here in thailand and that was the mindset that they were curating through that process and i know you've done kind of similar stuff um and, and i'm i'm wondering is like did you did you get that from you know your own practice or is that something you picked up from grandpa when he told you you know i fought in war my best friends died you know yeah, I mean that's a good that's a good question. I mean, it's funny. The last time I did like a uh like a trip, somebody said, I love your stoke, man. Like this was at Burning Man uh last year. They said, I love your stoke. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like I've never heard it that, you know, I've heard like I'm stoked, but I've never heard I like your stoke. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I think partially from my gr- grandparents, definitely, because they were they were kind of like I look up to them as model men. They were just, you know, just strong, quiet, resilient men who worked their way up. You know, one worked in a steel mill, another was, you know, construction and, you know, no college education, either of them. And they just, they really just kind of hard scrabbled, did the work, you know, they're Midwesterners. So, you know, it's all work ethic has always been important and you just get stuff done. You don't complain. So I, I don't know. That's always carried through me, I guess. And I think part of it is that Midwestern work ethic. And uh, part of it is, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just very interested in, in life and all, all you can experience in it, different places, different people, everybody has interesting stories to tell or interesting experiences. So I'm always, I'm always interested in figure, finding that stuff out. And I, I guess I just, I'm an interested person. I'm interested in others and other places, I guess. Yeah, that's great. Like I, I grew up in Missouri, so I can vouch for that Midwest work ethic. You know, we, uh, my, my mom's side of the family, they were farmers. They get up at five, they feed the cows, they, um, work until, you know, midnight and there's just always something to do. They don't complain. They don't brag, you know, they're, they're humble people. And one year they may have a great year with crops next year. It may be horrible. Um, but they just keep, you know, keep the mindset, they just keep going and that's it. And I've like used that a lot for, for business and entrepreneurship as well. Cause it's sometimes, you know, it's, it, it can be rough. Like you had a, you had a tough day today. Like somebody was, you know, did you wrong? And that was a rough day for you. And so, but it's like, is it really that bad? We're not going to war. We're not stabbing each other. We're not shooting each other. You know, we're not, I always say like, we're not starving to death. Like somewhere between like 5,000, 15,000 kids starve today, every day, you know, and we're not going through that. So, so we're really lucky. Right. So I want to dive through your story. Cause it, I think really resonates with a lot of our listeners. Like you started out on the beach in Thailand. Uh, you read the four hour work week, you did some things and then it hit like, then things took off. Do you mind like going through, um, you know, your timeline with us? Sure. I mean, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it brief. I'll give you the, the short version of what's happened the past 10 years. But, um, 
basically, yeah. So I was, I was kind of in my second year of college. I was really just lost and kind of confused about where I wanted to go. The college thing wasn't really working out for me. I'd gotten to a place where I'm like, none of this is going to be applicable. It's just, you know, it's, it's just a prerequisite to get a job, to get a raise. To, and so I said, I have to learn how to actually make use of my time and, and make money and, or whatever. I don't know. And I took a semester abroad, which ended up turning into uh, about nine months. I took a semester off then, um, going to Thailand and traveling around South, backpacking around Southeast Asia. And I read the book, The Four Hour Work Week. I remember in, um, in, in Kopanyang, and I read it. And it, you know, I, I brought all these books, you know, the, even like the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, you know, even, even the Quran. And st I was just reading all of them. Um, trying to find direction. And the four hour work week made a lot of sense to me. I said, I want to travel. I want to have fun. I want to, I want to learn like tango dancing and meet women and, you know, all, and, and make a lot of money, you know, on autopilot. Like that sounds awesome. So I, I spent the next four years essentially trying to do that and really just failed and failed and failed. I, I you know, I'd start a business, come across an obstacle freak out and and stop and move on to another business and come across an ops, you know, my PayPal account would get shut down or whatever would happen. Then I'd freak out and start a new business. And I worked a job in a marketing agency for, for two years because I knew I needed to be somewhere. I knew I, knew I needed to work a job to be, also build a skill set in my industry. So, and I was managing pay-per-click ads and I was earning about $6,000 a month. And I was taking clients on the side, uh, but I was only getting clients for about $500 a month through uh, Upwork. And, and that was hard. And what really changed everything for me was I decided to start pitching at $10,000 a month. I'm like, I want $10,000 a month. I'm just going to pitch. I'm just going to find clients who will pay me $10,000 a month. So I had to start I had to start talking to different people. And within a few months of making that decision, within about two to three months, I got two clients that would pay me $10,000 a month. No relationships, not, not family, nothing, not even from my agency. I didn't even poach clients. It was just, you know, I, I went to the places and got two clients paying me that. And one of the clients was gonna, would pay me a performance bonus for extra business. And that performance bonus I later learned was called affiliate marketing. And that performance bonus ended up being 70 over the course of time, $75,000 a month. And at this time I was, you know, 20, 23 or 24. And I said, I'm going to go find more affiliate marketing deals to do. And you know, I started finding more affiliate marketing deals to do, more companies to advertise, and started making millions of dollars per year. And um, yeah, I guess I guess I made some bad decisions <laughs> at this time. I, I I was you know I was out in Vegas every month, you know, every other weekend. It's like I was traveling around the world, staying wherever I wanted. You know, no, not as much. Uh, you know, I I'd, I'd, I'd still love backpacking, but I'd, 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 I'd splurge and do some crazy stuff. And I'd, I flew a dozen of my friends to Morocco to celebrate my birthday <laughs> one year. I, uh, oh yeah, just crazy, crazy stuff like that. Like my, yeah, it was just ri ridiculous. So, um, lost all of my money and ended up $200,000 in debt because of taxes. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I lost a million from this one business I started. Um, I hired a bunch of employees, took out credit lines, all these, all the stupid decisions you can make lumped in one year. And I decided to peel back like what I was doing. I fired everybody, got rid of the company. And I said, what do I do? And I said, well, I know affiliate marketing. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I had a course that I taught. So I said, I'm going to sell, I'm going to market this online. I said, what better than to market your own personal brand? Um, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that business made, this was in 2017, um, made a million dollars its first year. And I was able, sorry. Yeah. A million dollars its first year, about 400, 500,000 profit. I was able to pay off my debt, which was great. Made me feel really good. 2018, uh, tripled the business, went to about $3 million. Um, in 2019, we've, you know, we're, we're growing pretty big again. Um, and yeah, we're on, we're on track for about seven. Dude, that's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. And, and I, I love that story because it's just like, it's, it's in so many ways, the dream story of what, uh, people want to create, but, um, you know, and you did it and it's, it's challenging. Like it's rough out, out there, you know, um, we have our highs and our lows and we have our constant battles we do as entrepreneurs, but it's cool to see that, that, that you pulled it off and you did it really well. And then you're helping other people to do it as well. Um, we actually interviewed, this is our third series on the podcast and we interviewed a hundred seven figure location, independent entrepreneurs. And, um, now we're doing a hundred major influencers. And so I would have loved to come, come across you when we were doing those 107 figure, uh, the 107 figure series and talk more about, you know, uh, balancing lifestyle with entrepreneurship. And so, um, how, how, because you seem like a, a lifestyle entrepreneur, you're doing the fun things like you're, you're traveling, you're, you're having a really good time. Um, how do you balance uh, work and life these days, John? Uh, it's definitely gotten more difficult now that I have a family. So I have a, I have another daughter, I've, I've a wife and two daughters and, um, you know, we're building a house. We just bought another piece, you know, we bought like, we bought our, a, a, the piece of land next door to our house. So I'm building a YouTube studio and you know, all this. So, so it's much more difficult when you really get locked down with, with, with a family. But I guess what I try to do, um, and I do, I'm, I'm not always doing it well, but this is where I'm going and I'm, I, I'm bringing more balance is I try to actually structure my life around activities and then the business fills in the rest of the time. And, and let me give you an example. So I learned, I started learning how to fly helicopters this year and I'm, I'm a certified pilot now, but I would book my I, I would book my helicopter lessons. You know, it's like you do it in like two hour blocks. You'll, you know, two hours, then two hours. I book my helicopter lessons and then I do my work around those. So it's really, I, I would book it dependent on my instructors and kind of, you know, I want to have big blocks of time to work. So I would, I would book my life around that. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to learn improv. I think that's really important in um, and I think it's a really good skill to have just beyond, uh, beyond just as a YouTuber, but for personal development, I, I've heard so many great stories about learning improv and, 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 um, be yes. And, you know, yes. And instead of that defensive argumentative place, our brain goes. So, 
and it exercises imagination and all these wonderful things. So that's going to be the next thing. So I'm going to book my improv classes and then I'll figure out time around there to do my business. And um, I really like that because I feel like it reduces burnout and I love learning. I just love learning. I love improving myself. I think there's nothing, uh, I think you can't go wrong if you're, you're really investing in yourself. I a hundred percent agree. And do you, how do you manage that? Like for me, it's always a little bit too, you know, I, I have to say, okay, I've got one activity per day and then, you know, I spend eight hours in, in working, you know, but it's sometimes it's tempting because a lunch with a friend will sneak in and, uh, you know, the call to back home and, and all these things. So how many activities are you doing like in a regular week? I'll just have, uh, probably it, it could be three. Okay. It could be three like that, but keep in mind, I'm spending four hours flying a helicopter and the rest, maybe I'll work for the other 10. Um, I guess, but going deeper into that question, I'd say a lot of it goes down to productivity. And um, I was going to bring this up later on because I know you have your 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 three. You said prepare three must dos. Um, but one of the big ones for me is um, <clears throat> well. Before I go into the must dos, I'll talk about getting rid of the riffraff in my life. Yeah, like those lunches with friends. Like, yeah, that's that's you know, I, I've cut a lot of those out. The other things that are, I've cut out is like phone calls or conference calls. I ask people, Hey, instead of getting on a phone call, can you list out what you're looking for? And if you have any questions via email, and then I will decide if I can't answer them sufficiently, or if it seems like more of a creative brainstorming thing, then we can hop on a call about the rest. And 90% of the cases, a phone call is not necessary um, or a con you know, conference call is necessary. When people book meetings with me, I make, them, I make them actually have an agenda, right? I make them bullet point out, not just, oh yeah, 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 let's talk, let's, you know, here's my, here's my Zoom or GoTo link. Um, I, I, I ask them for an agenda. The next thing I do is, um, you know, I've, I don't have any notifications on my phone, none. My phone doesn't ring. I don't, I have very few apps. Um, my phone does not blink. It does not buzz. It does not, uh, it, nothing. You know, when I turn it on, all the notifications are, even when I'm looking at it, it's disabled. So I've, I've, it's really just like a pager. And that saves a lot of time for me. So I've done all these things to make myself more efficient. And the other side of that, I've gotten rid of the negative. And the other side of that is I time track myself every day. And I take note of how much time am I spending on revenue producing or cost cutting activities? That's what I look at. Can I directly attribute this to growing revenue? For me, it's reaching out to affiliates or doing ads or building funnels. Um, for, you know, those are revenue producing, but almost everything else, like there's very few things beyond that that aren't uh, that are revenue producing for me do you have a software or extension that's tracking your time or are you doing that you know pen and paper uh google google uh google sheets okay so you're you're saying like from eight to ten today i worked on funnel you yes know? okay and then you input that okay got it um 
that's amazing. That's great tips, by the way. I, like what I've been doing is actually turning my phone off before noon and then hiding it in another room. I read this study from the University of Texas that said, you know, with our the if we had the phone our phone within our you know three feet to five feet of us, it actually reduces our cognitive ability somewhere up to like ten IQ points. Um, because our brain is always like thinking about, oh, check the phone, oh, check the phone, oh, check the, and it just takes, sucks so much time away from us and energy, really. Um, before we move on, like, I want to talk more about the nuts and bolts in business, but I, I do want to address, like, what, you know, you talk about the four hour work week and how much it impacted your life. And for me, the same thing, like, I've read it four or five times now. And, um, what was it like? What were some of the key takeaways about that book that really shifted your mindset and gave you motivation to build like what you have today? That it's about time, not money. That was, I'd say, the biggest takeaway of the entire book. Because before I believed it was all about money, money, money. It was about become, you know what? You graduate from school, go to work in a hedge fund or a real estate investment company, a real estate developer, go to, go to work in a big tech company, a Google, a Facebook. That's what I believed the way was. And I was wrong. What, what I realized with that book was that you work at a hedge fund, you're working 160 hours a, a week or whatever it is. You, you're living in New York, which is just, uh, I, you know what? I know there. I'm sure there's some New York fans out here. I think it's a disgusting city. I think it's. I think it's Browns and Grays and Blacks and smelly and the people are mean and 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 impersonal and you know yeah sure there's some nice restaurants if you you know but but it's it's just con the anxiety level the resting anxiety level. I mean you're in Thailand so I'm sure you understand this. The the anxiety level is just off the charts. Just just stepping out on the street, not even doing anything. So I, it really poor quality of living. You're, you're making a lot of money, but you're you not have any time to do it. So I realized that flipped my mind into, Oh, being rich, being wealthy. It's about having time. It's not about having money. It's about having time. You can do things. It's about automation. It's about, it's about delegation and understanding those concepts in my business has allowed me to transcend just being a worker bee and allowed me to be an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Um, let's talk about uh, running a business with no employees, um, a seven-figure business. So we interviewed a hundred of these these um, folks on our podcast and that had seven-figure businesses, seven figures revenue in a year. And um, most, I don't, I don't think I can remember one that had zero employees. I know I do have one friend who's actually here in Thailand too. She runs a business uh, that does seven figures with no employees, which is impressive. So um, can you tell us about the structure of that business and how it, how it came to be and how it works for you? Sure. So, uh, um, and, and just a note here, I, I work with, I work with agencies, right? I have there, there, I have a feel, you know, there's people working on my business, but nobody's full time just dedicate, you know, it's dedicated to it. So it's very different. So how I've structured my business is, so essentially I'm a teacher, right? I'm, I, I have an online six week training course and, you know, I'm selling a video training on how to do affiliate marketing. Um, now how I've structured the business is I have one agency 
that I've hired to handle my customer support. And I've given them some key KPIs, okay? I've given them uh, key, and for those who don't know, key performance indicators. Um, I've given their KPIs for, I've, I've pre-sale customer support, which means people who haven't bought yet, but who are interested. And then I have post-sale customer support, which is people who have bought and are, you know, who have already bought and have questions. And I have KPIs for both of those different areas. So, it, you know, it's like, how many refunds are we getting? You know, what are our chargeback rates? What are our, you know, how many testimonials are we uh, collecting each week? You know, that's post-sale. You know, pre-sale is, you know, how many people are you, how many, how many chats are turning into actual customers? You know, every position has numbers associated with it. And I can tell if they're doing fine. And for my support, right, I'll have one agency I confer with. I have another agency that does, um, that is my salespeople that, that calls up my customers and closes them. Then I have another agency that uh, manages my marketing. Then I have another agency that handles my development. And between those four agencies, really, and, and, and they all talk with each other, really the business runs itself. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, so I understand why you do this, but I'm curious, uh, can you share the logic behind why instead of bringing people on your own team um, and building it up that way, why you're hiring the agencies to, to do the work for you? Well, f- first off, I think I'm a bad manager. <laughs> um, second off, I, I believe it when you have employees, because I've, I've had employees before I've hired and I always end up, they always end up going. And my wife says, why the heck do you, you know, you keep doing this. You need to take management course or something, but I'm just like sick of it. So I think it's much easier to hold people to numbers. Um, it also makes the business much more flexible because when you're under $10 million, your business goes through these crazy fluctuations um, and probably over 10 million too, but definitely under 10 million, like your bu- businesses just go through these crazy ups and downs. You could be killing it one month, not killing it the other month. And having to have hard costs of an employee and a family that's only beholden to you over your head um, doesn't make sense. It makes much more sense to hire an agency. The agency model and the crowdsourcing model is where I believe everything um, is going regardless. I, I think we're, I believe the only reason that, that this whole idea of work for one person, corporate job, nine to five, um, it's an unnatural, that's not how the world used to be. That's not how the world was for thousands of years. The only reason I believe that came about was, was because we, you know, you know, industrialization and specialization of skills and, and you didn't have the internet. You didn't have telephones. You couldn't telecommute. Now with telecommunication, there's no reason you should even have employees. I think it's just a superior business model. And um, it makes things much more clearly defined. So you're not, so you're focused on the business rather than focused on, you know, company culture and politics and all that riffraff. Yeah. And it's more, it's more expensive too. I mean, I mean, it can be right, but I mean, you've got to worry about their taxes. You've got to worry about their insurance. If you have a business in the U S you've got to worry about, you know, so many more things where it's almost like you can pay a professional to do it. You pay X amount of price and then you have less managed and less less mental worry, I would guess. Yeah, one hundred percent less mental worry. So now you have your business under your personal brand that that's helping other people learn 
how to do affiliate marketing and, and build business online. And so what's, what's the price to join your programs now, John? Sure. It's $1,000. So, um, yeah, for a six week course for a six week course. Okay. And then, and then do you have a course beyond that or is that after the six weeks, are they ready to go or what happens after? So no, I only sell that one product. Um, but I have an agency that, uh, sells that, that basically upsells people to coach seminars and coaching. So I am a, technically I'm an affiliate for them. So I, I share data with them and they talk to my, they talk to the customers who sign up for my thousand dollar program and they give them the option of getting, you know, going to attending my seminars, which I, I, I don't really, they're not my seminars. They're my coaching company seminars, but I teach one day at them, if that makes sense. So it'll be like a two day seminar and I'll teach one day. And they also get up, you know, people can choose to have a one-on-one -on -one coach uh, to help them in their, or a one-on-one -on -one mentor to help them in their internet business. And people love that because a lot of the people that are signing up for a video training course, they do so because it's cheap. $1,000 to learn affiliate marketing. It's like, you know, 80,000 to learn marketing at a college that doesn't make you any money. You know, it's super cheap um, to go through an online course. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, they, but they still want that personalized one-on-one -on -one attention. Um, so I, I believe that makes a lot more sense um, actually for the education industry as a, as a whole. So are you doing the, the million, uh, and rev annual rev from the course that you're selling or from that? And then the, the conferences slash one-on-one, -on -one, um, mentorship. So I'd say it's, it's split about, I'd say about 4 million is my actual course sales. And of that 4 million, right. I'm paying, I'm like most, much of my traffic is affiliates. So, you know, keep, you know, an advertise, and I also do a lot of YouTube advertising. So it's kind of split between those buckets. So, um, generally speaking, like half of all that is out the door, uh, from, you know, just from payouts to affiliates, we pay them 50%. And then the other bucket is, uh, the seminars, which is about three and, you know, which adds a nice amount to the bottom line, obviously. Most people do, don't do that. It allows me to be able to spend more on ads. And uh, with that business, um, what, what happens is the, coach, the, co the seminar company pays me 40% for uh, giving them the customer data. But, like, it, but it's your seminar company, right? Like a seminar company that you... Not my company. Not my company. Not my salespeople. No, they just, they, they handle all the all the merchant accounts, all the, all the, all the, all the actual coaches, all the actual stuff. It's all, it's all their, it's their company. I'm not, I don't, I don't own a piece of it. I'm, I'm really just selling leads. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about like, there's so many people that are, you know, trying to build online courses out there um, with success and with failure both quite often. And like, if you were in the average, you know, say you're making, you know, $5,000 a month with your online business, you're in the hustle, you really want to scale it. You've got, you know, these online courses that, uh, you want to sell, sell, what would you uh, advise people to do in that position so they can really like take that to the next level? Uh, well, there, there's a few things, right? My big, my big thing right now is all about community. Um, I believe building a community 
that is not just about the money that has bigger values is so important. And, um, you know, I was talking with Elliot Biznow of, uh, of, uh, that, that founded summit series. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really smart guy. And I gleaned so much information from just a short 30 minute conversation with him about community, but they don't do any advertising. They're, they're just, you know, they're, they've grown so organically through just creating a cohesive, fun, business oriented, helpful, you know, giving back artistic community um, that people are just naturally attracted. So I think for people starting, if you really, I, I didn't start with community in mind, right? Because my mind goes to ads. It goes to how do I spend a dollar to make two? Um, but if, if I wasn't in the position where I, you know, was really skilled with, you know, advertising and funnels and copywriting, um, and I was trying to get a start at info products, I would focus on community. Uh, when you go into that community or are you talking specifically building your own community or connecting with other communities and, and positioning yourself um, to grow your business? Either one, either one. So like when you, when you would go into a community, how would you position yourself or how would you connect with other, other people in that community to, to start to grow and start to, to sell your, your products? Well, I, actually, this will. This is a great story. So this we we can actually go back to uh, stack that money to our our mutual friend uh, Lorenzo Green here. Um, so I when I started in two thousand, I, I joined Stack That Money Forum in two thousand eleven, and it's it, for those who don't know, Stack That Money is kind of like a the premier affiliate marketing forum. It's a hundred dollars a month. There's I think one to two thousand members, so it's not too big, not too small. And I joined that and I, the way I involved myself was I just posted a lot. Um, you know, I welcomed everybody in the introductions. I would, uh, I would, I would ask questions. I've been a, I've always been a voracious question asker, right? I'm, I'm interested. Um, so I'm always asking questions, trying to figure out information and not stupid questions, like questions where I could learn something, go to the next, take things to the next level. Um, and I would also put, put up my own threads. I would do follow-alongs, uh, which is basically diaries of my, market, my affiliate marketing activities. And I learned so much. And others, I you know, really valued my, my feedback. I, I became one of the top posters um, in the entire forum. I was in, I think I was like 20, 20th top poster in that forum. Um, and that's actually how I started my info, like that was, that was the first time I sold an info product was, uh, I was starting an affiliate network and I said, I was looking, I was, or I was growing my company. I was looking for media buyers actually. Um, this is when I was doing affiliate marketing. Yeah. So I, I posted and stacked that money for them. I was kind of well known in there. I said, I'm looking for media buyers and people knew I had, I was successful. I ended up getting like, 500 applications of people wanting to work for me as a media buyer. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, that's way too many. So what I did was I, I created a, uh, you know, I had this whole application. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to create, 
I, I can't talk to 500 people, so I'm going to create a video explaining exactly what I do and giving some tips. I kind of use the like webinar-ish model where you like train, you talk about who you are, then you train people, then you explain what they have to do next. And I did that and I still got like 200 applications of people who wanted to work for me. And I said, this is crazy. Like, you know, I, I, I told them they had to work hours and hours a day and all this stuff. So I ended up just saying, hey, look, I'm just gonna create a information product and I'll just sell it. You got, it, I just put all these videos that I had for my internal media buyers. And I said, okay, here's, here's what I'll do with this situation. I said, I'm gonna put all of this, I'm gonna put all of the training videos that I use already for, my, for training my current employees, which I had, you know, I had a few media buyers working for me. Um, I said, I'm gonna put it all in a Google, Do a Google Drive folder. Whoever pays me, of you 200 people, whoever pays me $5,000, I will give you access. But the caveat is, I'm going to create my own small affiliate network, which it only costs like 99 bucks a month for me to create an affiliate network. And I said, I'm, instead of you being a media buyer for me, and I take a 70% cut, you know, an 80% cut of whatever you make, I said, you're going to get to keep 80% of whatever you make. I'll just take 20%. And it sounds really crazy complicated, right? And the affiliate network was what lost me a million dollars, just to let you know. But I ended up making like 200, I, I got like 50 people that bought that 5,000, that wanted access to that Google Drive folder of videos teaching affiliate marketing in 2015. And that was the easiest quarter million I ever made. And that was simply just only thing was I was on this small niche internet marketers forum. That's the power of community. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Are there any communities out there that either you're a part of or that you recommend um, that you could uh, share with us? Yeah. So uh, the first one I've been a part of for five years is Entrepreneurs Organization. Um, five or six years. Uh, that community, just to give you an idea, you, the requirements of being a part of it are you have to have a business that does a um, million dollars a year. Um, and the cost of that organization is $10,000 a year. Um, it's, it's a worldwide organization. There's like over, I think, 100,000 members around the world. Um, and, you know, we, we have a camp at Burning Man, um, a really cool camp. And it's really fun. And it, everybody in it is just, you know, it, it boots up entrepreneur, like really cool group of people. Um, the other organization I recently joined, I've been really tight about joining new organizations because I, I have really bad shiny object syndrome. So I, I actually, I really try to limit my, I, I try to limit the number of people I, uh, I you know, I, I, that I allow influence me. But this group run by this guy named Dan Fleischman, um, it's called the $100 million mastermind. And it costs, they have three events a year, um, LA, Las Vegas, Miami, and it's $100,000 a year, which is pretty steep for like three events if you do the math. But I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's a hoot. They, I mean, that's where I met Elliot Biznow. There was a billionaire in the room. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, Mark Wahlberg, 
Uh, we Dan, it was at the first event was at Dan Bilzerian's house, which was pretty crazy. I mean, it, it it's just kind of like next level stuff. So it was, it's it's a lot of fun, and they bring really really high level people in. So I like that. How wild, man! That sounds amazing. Um, so I, I noticed like your, your focus is definitely on YouTube these days. And, um, even so, like I was checking out your Twitter's pretty solid, you know, and, um, Instagram is relatively non-existent, uh, but there, and I'm curious, like, what's the logic behind, you know, um, going on YouTube, going hard on YouTube. You're, I think you're at 206,000 subscribers now or something. Yeah, 206,000. So YouTube, so I'm in the education and I realized very quickly. So first off, I've been doing ads on YouTube since 2017. Um, That's, that's what allowed me to sell info products. Um, I tested out about a dozen different ad networks and YouTube was the best for me to sell info products. Um, And that's how I've scaled my business uh, mostly. Um, at least for the first two years. Now, YouTube, I believe, is the future of education. It's not I believe. It is the future of education. Um, And YouTube is the freemium version of education. And beyond there, you want to learn anything. You want to learn how to screw in a light. You want to learn how to create a a raccoon trap. Um, You want to learn how to lay bricks. You want to learn how to, you know, speed read. It's all on YouTube. So I believe if you're in the education space, if you are a teacher, you know, where you're selling info product, it's your, it's almost your obligation to be a part of that, that YouTube community of you give out free education because otherwise, uh, you know, I, I was doing ads, but I realized, okay, YouTube's working, but I'm not actually, you know, if my, if my ROI dips, I have nothing, I have no safe haven. So I said, I'm going to focus on building organic traffic because I already know this traffic source works to sell educational products. Now, my YouTube channel has evolved over time, whereas it first started with focusing on proving to people how smart I was in 15 minutes to get them to purchase a $1,000 training program for, for more. Um, that's where it started and that's what everybody else does in my niche. As far as I know, um, I've shifted in, in the last four months, um, in a dramatic way, which has actually really had a huge impact on my business, which is I'm actually putting people to work. I'm treating YouTubers, not as prospects, but I'm treating people who follow me on YouTube, um, organically as worker bees for me. I, I treat them as affiliates or potential affiliates. So I'm telling them to do all of the things that I wouldn't want to do. I'm telling them to, you know, I'm telling them to send a direct message to every single person who follows Ty Lopez on Instagram and ask them if they've made money with his trainings. And if they haven't, then recommend a different, then recommend my program to them. I'm telling my audience to join every single Facebook group involved with marketers and entrepreneurs and freelancers. Um, and I'm telling them to join the group and find a way 
to add value. Maybe, maybe it's creating a resource guide of the top training programs, or maybe it's create, you know, with a Google doc, right. Uh, you know, and sharing it in the group, or maybe it's messaging people in the group and saying, Hey, I see you're part of, you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, Tony Robbins group. Um, you know, what are you doing business wise? Are you, are you, are you, you know, like, are you looking for a business? You know, here's, here's, here's a training that really helped my life. I'm, I'm, you know, and, and I'm having them use my affiliate link and, and promote my program. So I'm treating them as worker bees. And by leveraging my following on YouTube to go out and basically be independent contractors, be affiliates for me, do work and some of them are making money, right? That's what's growing my business. It's created this really virtuous cycle where I've, I'm starting to create a community. People are really stoked because people are getting success and making money. And, um, and also I've differentiated myself from all of the other make money online, the, the make money gurus that are on YouTube. Yeah. How are you differentiating yourself from, you know, cause there's a lot of noise out there when it comes to make money online. Like what are some, some of the things you focus on to make sure you stand out of that crowd? I'm pure. So other, other people are showing people like work at home tactics, right. And they're, but, but, what what they're really trying to do is they're, they're doing different topics like, Oh, 10 work at home jobs you can do. And I, I do some of those videos as well, but I've, I've really focused my YouTube channel around purely getting my audience to post links for me and do marketing for, for my program and build my business as opposed to becoming customers of me. It's very different. Dan Locke's trying to get customers. I'm trying to get affiliates from YouTube. Very clever. What's the, um, how, how long, like how long have you been focused on YouTube now, John? This, uh, so only this, only this year, oh, the totality of 2019. Um, in 2017 and 18, my, I got my audience to about 50,000, but it was just because of ads because I was running ads, but I only really focused on YouTube, uh, posting daily videos this year. Now I, I, I tried some other things on YouTube in the past, uh, which even in, when I was in Thailand in 2009, I, I started posting some videos about like backpacking around the world, but I, you're not focused on YouTube unless you're posting daily. And I started this year. Nice. Very cool. How long do you think you'll go with that? How many more years? Um, I'm committed to doing, giving next year a shot. So I'll post through, I'll post daily through next year. It's, it's really hard. It's really time consuming. It's a um, lot of work. It's, yeah. it's intense to post once. Oh my God. It's so intense. Um, but I'm committed through 2020 through the end of 2020. And then I'll make a decision and see what's up then. So, uh, because of the intensity and amount of work that it, that it takes, like, just curious, how come not much traffic and not much focus on Instagram? Um, I chose YouTube as my main and, uh, I honestly, I haven't focused on any other social channel. The only reason I have a hundred and ten, uh, thousand, uh, over a hundred thousand uh, followers on Twitter is because I, uh, <laughs> I had ads, I had a uh, ads running um, in Nigeria and Bangladesh for, for a while, uh, to, to get, to get my follower count up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how funny you can get followers for like, like, like a quarter of a penny or like half a penny in like 
places. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I know like Instagram, you know, they had these, probably still do have these service companies that get your followership up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I really haven't focused on anything besides YouTube. But you build a bigger relationship when you have YouTube followers. It's, it's, it's very different. Interesting. That's clever. Um, so like over the past few weeks, one thing that I've really, you know, I, I said I did this meditation retreat. And one thing that came up, to me, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for 11 or 12 years now is that like, you know, if I focused on less stuff over the past decade, um, and double down on just a few things or maybe even one thing, um, I would be much better financially, uh, and, and business wise right now. And so I thought about that cause, um, uh, you know, I'm a lifestyle entrepreneur too, been traveling for like eight and a half years. And so, um, I was selling on Amazon in 2009. I did it for six months and I was like, Oh, this doesn't work. But if I focus, you know, from, from, if I, if I stayed with that, in 2009 yes yes if in i in 2009 yes yeah I know. bro <laughs> i know oh my gosh i know and i was like eh, it's not really working and <laughs> oh but i did bro. i did the same thing with youtube though i was like let's start a you know youtube channel let's do some fun yeah. stuff and you know from 2009 to 2019 you know both amazon and youtube was just like Magic. They don't work. You, yeah. you, they don't work. Yeah, Amazon doesn't work. Yeah. Oh my! I mean, like you, I have the shiny object syndrome. Especially back then, I was much younger, and I was like, you know, just whatever. But I was thinking, like, the next decade out. Okay, what am I going to focus on so I don't repeat that mistake, right? Wow. And so I've got this yeah. solid podcast going, and it's still very much the wild west of the podcast world. And, and you know, we're doing courses and, you know, high-performance training. And I'm like, if, if I stay with that, which, you know, is, is my goal and has been for a couple of years, but if I, if I stick with that in a decade out, where will I be sitting? So I'm curious, like, what do you think, what's your vision for your business? And you can throw lifestyle in that, that category as well, um, for the next decade. Teaching, I'd say it's teaching. Um, it's, it's, it's my, my goal is to be the number one marketing teacher in the world. I, I believe the education system is broken. I, and I don't think that's just my belief. I think it's just kind of a fact, frankly. And there's got, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be a big disruption of maybe not an event, but it's, it's happening where the rug is slowly being pulled out of this societal belief that you have that going to college is the next step if you want to go in, or, or at least going to business school is the next step if you want to go into business and i believe that belief is false and i'm willing to i'm willing to you know really really double down on this i believe the future of teachers instead of having 50,000 professors around the country teaching marketing in these kind of you know in front of pod, you know really really you know like in front of a cheap podium and you know, really boring guys who haven't done marketing in 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 forty years, if they ever did marketing, you know, maybe they're a lifelong professor. I believe, I believe that is going to come down to having, you know, you're going to have five hundred or maybe even fifty marketing teachers, but the production quality. So you're going to have a thousand times less teachers, 
but the production quality and the of everything is going to be a thousand times higher. So instead of speaking in front of a podium, um, you're going to be speaking in front of a mansion. Instead of instead of teaching an audience of you know, you know, thirty kids, you're going to be teaching an audience of thirty thousand. Um, and which is which is the path I'm already on, and. I, 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 I listen to Elon Musk a lot. And one of the things he's, did you know he started his own school? He started his own school in Bel Air uh, for his kids. So he obviously had some thoughts on this. So I, I, I was looking up, what are his thoughts on education? What he said, um, this is, that's basically what he said, but he said, the future of it, what education looks like in the future, it's like a Batman movie. It's highly produced. There's edits, there's editing, there's special effects. There's 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 hot, there's emotional highs and lows and i thought i thought that was really interesting education should be like an action movie and i i i believe elon generally has a good uh a gut feel of of where of where things are going and i know he's not going after the education industry so my my so what i've told myself is okay if i focus on this i'll i'll eventually be a billionaire <laughs> just do what elon says any platforms out there like what do you think is you know we talked about you know i was on amazon in 2009 um what do you think is the amazon of 2009 uh that's out there today that you would say like hey pay attention to this i think youtube is one of those uh i i believe it's I believe it's not at where Amazon was in 2009. I think it's I think it's like Amazon 2014, right? Or like it's a little more developed than that. Amazon 2009. That's a that's a good question. Huh? Can we come back to that one? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's 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 hard to predict, but also you know, um, in many ways, it's like okay, what are what are the things that we're missing? You know. And, and, and even 2009 and Amazon was still pretty well established. Like you could still order stuff. You could still get it in a couple of days. But then what happened over the past decade is it, it became, a, um, I don't want to say monopoly, but in many ways, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a monopoly. You know, it's, it's the institution, right? Just like Facebook, same thing. Went from the rebel organization to the institutionalized organization. Does that make sense? Yeah, my my initial thoughts are that it's going to be a little more, you know. Again, I don't know, but I, my my initial thoughts are it's going to be a little more uh, decentralized than something like an Amazon or Facebook or, or 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 a search engine that you can point to. It's going to be closer to like what's happening in information products, and maybe maybe it'll be better for me to say. Maybe YouTube isn't the Amazon in 2009, but I believe information products are. Um, I, I definitely think that because I, I believe there should be high quality training courses with, with you know, mentors and all these other things and seminars for every industry. And there aren't for many, you know, for, for like marketing related professions, there are a lot of different course, there are courses out there. But for a lot of professions, I still don't think there are um, information products that teach you how to be a roofer. Um, I recently saw a Facebook ad teaching people, you know, this guy was selling an information product, how to be a roofer. Um, but I think, I, I think you can expand that much more fully 
to like just the information product industry to so many different um, areas. It could be for bricklayers. It could be for stonemasons. I think any skill there is um, should have multiple information products in that category being marketed and sold. And as you know, as we move into the age of, you know, augmented reality and AR and VR and, and creating software becomes easier. Uh, I, I really believe information product industries are a really sweet spot and there's so much untapped growth potential within them. And anybody, uh, anybody, you don't have to have any name, you know, nobody has to know your name and you can get into it and make a ton of money. Um, but I really believe the business model is just beginning. You know, people will say webinars are dead or Facebook ads are dead, but I, I think you have to go way, way beyond that. I think every information product should include software. You know, I think every information, you know, if you're, if you're teaching roofers, you know, you should combine your education with, you know, a, a lead generation system, you know, like you should be allow people to buy leads from you or use software to do their accounting or there's so many places you can go from there because if you control the education of somebody you're moving way down chain and you you're you you're given so much more opportunity and flexibility to get people to purchase more products from you i mean if you are the person who uh, if you know colleges for instance they they teach thousands of accountants uh, or tens of thousands of new accountants per year well, if, if you had a college that was also selling leads, so it's like, okay, you graduated with your accounting degree. Why don't we sell you leads? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I mean, that would be a gimme, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, if, if, if you had the, if you had the, uh, if you had the colleges that said, okay, you're an accountant. Um, we can also, we, we can have, a you know, you want to get a job. We can, uh, if you pay us twenty five thousand dollars, we uh, will will place you in a job, and then the college makes another twenty five thousand dollars from a headhunter, um, you know, acting as a headhunter for a big company. So they make fifty, they make an extra fifty thousand dollars just by matching people up with jobs. So I think there's so much extensibility within education, and the monetization goes far beyond. Um, it goes very far beyond just the initial selling of the educational course itself. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause you think like doctors and lawyers, same as roofers, like the ones that make the juiciest, not doctors, but uh, lawyers or accountants, the ones that make the juiciest get plugged amount of money, are the ones that get plugged into having those leads and having some sort of system or marketing system, or they create their own that can keep the clients coming in consistently. So yeah, genius. Cool, man. Um, we're talking about, you know, we're interviewing 100 major influencers right now. And so we talk, we always want to talk about like handling that influence responsibly. And so, you know, you've got a personal brand. Your name is out there. Uh, a lot of people are seeing you. How, how do you balance the influence that you have um, and, make, and making sure that like uh, everything is held in an accountable way, in a responsible way? that you know good things are happening because of uh, the influence that you control a uh, good question the power of especially youtube is that you get somebody who's been following you for a year 
who watches a 15, you know, who watches an hour worth of videos of you every single week. Um, you tell them to do something. You know, I, I tell my audience to do things like join Facebook groups and post them. They'll do anything I say. I say, hey, spend the next two hours after this video DMing two, 300 people on Instagram. They'll go out and do it. So it's, it's a good, right? It's a good thing, right? Because I'm like, oh, great. I get people to do things for me for free. But it also is a very seductive power, right? Because I, I know I could tell my audience to, you know, do some crazy stuff and they do it. They'll do it. And, and, and influence is real. It's very real. It's not just, oh, I'm an influencer. It's like, no, you actually can move bodies and minds to do something or to believe something that they wouldn't have believed otherwise. So it is a pretty crazy power. Um, how do you wield it responsibly? I would say part of it, part of it is, is I follow the algorithm, which is not, which is not a good answer. <laughs> I know they want traffic methods. I know, you know, unfortunately they don't want skills. They don't want to learn copywriting. They don't want to learn data analysis, um, which are the two big skills in affiliate marketing and people don't want to learn them. So I can't focus on them as much. So that's, that's a little bit dangerous, um, but they just want the hard, raw tactics. But on the flip side, I'd say to handle it, uh, to do it more responsibly, I try to relate personal stories as much as possible um, to show I'm a human and to also show exactly what I've done, not just telling people what to do, but to help people understand where I've come from. And that's also another reason why I like doing podcasts. I mean, one part is I like meeting interesting people, but the other reason is there's so much more beyond you. I, I can't talk about this sort of stuff on YouTube because they wouldn't, the, 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 all, it's, not, it's not catered to this format of interview. Um, so I, I really believe, you know, I try to tell my audience, listen to interviews, listen to interviews, listen to interviews, listen to interviews, listen to interviews. That's how I learn. And, and I do it all the time. I say, follow, I'm like, go, go follow some podcasts. Like sit down and listen to a, like interview compared to a YouTube video that has five second edits and has fly-ins and has, you know, it, you know, weird back and forth and all, you know, I'm shooting money guns and mansions and Lamborghinis. Podcasts are, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to sound rude. They're, they're kind of boring compared to a, a YouTube video. And yet I believe interviews are so much more valuable. So I, I guess I just really try to push long form interview style content onto my audience. And I also try to talk about books a lot because I want my audience sitting down and reading an entire book cover to cover. So I, that's, that's how I try to wield it responsibly, I guess. What are some of those books that, that you're telling people to read? And also um, on the note of podcasts, like what are, what are some podcasts that you enjoy that you or you would refer other people that you don't consider, you know, the boring that are boring? Yeah, great, great, uh, great question. So I would say book, books I enjoy. So I read I read a lot of sci fi. 
And this also comes from Elon Musk, as he said, you know, the most creative people in, he said, he doesn't have original thoughts. Somebody said, wow, you're so creative, Elon. How, how did you become so creative? He said, I haven't created anything. I just take ideas that I read about in sci-fi books I read when I was young. I figure out if they're economically, uh, I figure out at what point they are economically feasible to start. And then I, then I assess whether I believe I can raise enough money to sustain them. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, he because somebody was talking to him about the boring company. And I was like, so he just reads sci-fi books. Right. And just is like, oh, that's a cool idea. Tunnels. Okay, I'm going to, you know, oh, okay, I'm going to try to do that. Um, so I, I, but I actually genuinely enjoy sci-fi. I've been a huge reader since I was young. Um, other books, so I read a lot of Neil Stevenson, um, N-E-A-L Stevenson. He's a sci-fi author. I guess the best book for, um, uh, his, his main book is Snow Crash, but he's more of an advanced, uh, he's more, I, I would say he's more so for advanced readers. So for people who are just, who just kind of want to dip their toes into sci-fi and kind of get into it, I'd suggest William Gibson's Neuromancer, N-U-E-R-O-M-A-N-C-E-R. William Gibson, Neuromancer, one of my favorite books. It's cyberpunk. Um, they're actually coming out with a movie and a video game about it soon. Uh, it's just an unbelievable read, really innovative, really goes over some really big concepts. Um, written in the 80s, before the word, uh, the, the uh, I forget, I forget, he, he coined one of the terms like, uh, I, I, he may have coined internet or some, some really big term came out of that book that nobody had ever used before. He, um, he called it the matrix too. So he's, he's a really influential person, not just within the you know, sci-fi junkies, but within the greater culture as a whole. So I'd, I'd suggest any beginning reader start there. Um, in regards to nonfiction, have you have do you have you read any uh do you read any fiction? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in regards to nonfiction, uh, I'd say I'd say I've read like Cashvertising is one of my favorite books. I refer to a lot. Um, Dan Kennedy, uh, Dan Kennedy's books, Russell Brunson, Expert Secrets. Um, I've, I've been getting in, into a kick of reading a lot of relationship books. Um, I, I'd say my number one I'd recommend is Harville Hendrick, Harville Hendrix's, um, uh, how to get the love you want. There's, yeah. Getting the love you want. That's it's, it's, it goes really deep into our psychology. Wow. That sounds like a good one. Uh, and then podcasts. Yeah. So for podcasts, um, I really like Mike Dillard's self-made man. Um, that's, I've listened to a number of interviews there. I like Joe Rogan. I think he's one of the best interviewers, um, out there. And he's got, he's got one style, which he does a lot of banter, which, uh, I think is, 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 is hard to do, but he really pulls it off. Right. I think he's just so great. And then, oh, this is my, so my favorite podcast is Omar Alatar's uh, The Passionate Few. I believe that guy, that guy is the, I, I listened to a crazy number of interviews and that guy is the best interviewer I've 
ever seen. Um, and I've listened to like hundreds of interviewers. And also he, one of the best interviews I've ever, I've ever seen was his interview with John Paul DeJorio, um, who's a billionaire, he, he, a self-made billionaire, uh, fought, him, fought his way from the ground up, um, didn't raise money, but he started Patron and he started Paul Mitchell. And yeah, he recently sold Patron. He, he owned like 90% of the company and he sold it for like two or three billion. Um, and Paul Mitchell, uh, which is a major hairstyling company, perhaps one of the largest, um, he owns that like most of it and just started it from scratch. I mean, amazing story. Great interview. What's um, some of the things that, what was the guy's name? Omar? Uh, Omar Alatar. So uh, E-L-A-T-T-O-R. What's some of the things that he's doing that makes him a great interviewer? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So one of the things is he, he does, oh, he does crazy amount of research on the people before he goes in which which shows in the interview okay um and he asks i mean he asks the question he 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 asks questions and then he shuts up he asks really good questions and then he lets the person uh he really lets the person speak and tell stories um he gets them to open up i guess he's got uh, I personally prefer interview when I'm watching an interview, I'm, I'm looking to learn about that person. I'm looking to learn about the person that's being interviewed and I'm looking to get into the good stuff, the origin story, the stuff that doesn't come out in other, in other interviews. He's done a really good job. Uh, he, he does a really good job of going there and it's because he does the research and he lets them go. Taking notes here, man. <laughs> no, uh, dude, I, I, uh, Omar and Omar is a part of my uh, hundred million dollar mastermind. And, uh, I got, I got the chance to spend a lot of time with him. Um, and that was fat. That was, that was just, that was fascinating and hearing about the people he met and also hearing the backstories of how, how he even got like a billionaire on his podcast and all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. That's really cool. Something I, I wanted to ask you real quick and, and we'll start to wrap things up. But um, one of your Forbes articles um, is reached over a million reads. And it's probably way beyond that by now, actually. Um, and how how did you get featured in Forbes? Because when you did, I think things were still pretty new for you, right? Yeah, things were super new. So I've what so part of this starts it stems from like I've I've always surrounded myself with a lot of uh like cool entrepreneurial friends and I get a call from my buddy Ronnie and Ronnie says hey this this guy uh, Ronnie's more of an out there entrepreneur he's more um I, I don't know he he goes to a lot a lot of events and stuff and he had met this uh, guy from Forbes and this guy wanted to, he, he was doing an interview series on entrepreneurs and 
he wanted to interview my buddy Ronnie, but Ronnie said, you know, he didn't have time for the interview and it, you know, the guy needed to fly out and all that stuff. Um, so he said, well, John, you're in town. Why, why don't, why don't you, uh, why don't you end up, you know, why don't you end up talking to this guy? And, you know, I end up talking to him and he, you know, he wants to do an, he wants to do the interview on me. Uh, he wants to, because he's, he's doing, I mean, he's really trying to interview solopreneurs and I don't know how it came about, but basically that, that article, it, it got released. I forgot about it, but it got released like eight months later. Um, it just went viral. I mean, it, it, it really went viral and I don't, I, it must've just hit a nerve or something, but it went viral and it got picked up and reposted by all of these different um, all of these different sites. It got reposted by AOL, by Business Insider, by Fast Company. Um, and it got reposted and translated into about 10 other languages. So it, it really was happenstance. And at that point in time, I hadn't really, I had released that, I'd made a quarter million from that one course, that one training program I'd released on uh, Stack That Money. But I hadn't really done anything beyond that. But the outcry and the outpouring of people that started messaging me, I would, I'd be getting like a thousand messages a week of people like finding my, you know, finding me on Facebook or whatever and be like, how do I do what you do? Like, what are you doing? Like, tell me more. Like, um, that kind of helps solidify, okay, that teaching was uh, teaching and sharing this was, uh, was a business I enjoyed and I wanted to do more of. Very cool. Very, very cool. John, I, I think we're going to wrap things up there, but um, do you have any final words you'd like to tell the listeners before we close off? Well, uh, yeah, I'd say, uh, well, it'll, it'll go to the really, the really big problem I had today, which is hire, uh, sorry, uh, hire slow and fire fast. But most importantly, fire fast. When you have a bad gut feeling about somebody or when you suspect something's going wrong or uh, fire the, you know what, fire, like really just, you know, talk to the person, but your gut's probably right and fire the person. I have, I have never been sad about firing somebody too fast. Um, but I've, I, I got a massive problem because I, I took an extra six months to fire this last uh, contractor I was working with. And, you know, I, I had some employee embezzlement. I realized I was getting stolen from. Um, I, was, I, I was getting stolen from a lot. I was getting uh, expensed for things that were never bought. Uh, just a whole can of worms. And overall, it cost me tens and tens, uh, per, per, perhaps hundreds of thousands of dollars um, and I found out about it yesterday. So that was, and this person had been working for me as a contractor for two years. So fire fast, fire fast, <laughs> fire fast. That'll be a good intro yeah. for the podcast. Fire fast, fire fast, fire fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, if the listeners want to reach out, John, and, and learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they can do that at? Check me out on YouTube. It's uh, John Cristani, J-O-H-N. Um, last name is C R. E S T like the toothpaste, A N I like the bird. John Cristani. 
Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the show, John. We really appreciate it. Appreciate your time and sharing all the value bombs with us. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, you too. This, this was awesome. And listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And... We'll see you all on the next episode.